0: Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most
1: successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. And welcome back to the podcast. It's a pleasure that you tuned in again. I have an excellent leader in healthcare today. Her name is Tammy Knoll. She's the general manager of maternal infant care at GE Healthcare. Tammy's responsible for global product development and product management at this critical division of GE. In a single year, 15 million premature and low birth weight babies are born and 2.7 million babies die in the first four weeks of life, primarily due to prematurity, asphyxia, and infection. Tammy and her team's goal is to reduce these deaths and send babies home healthy. I know I was happy when my son came home to us uh, just shy of two years ago. And so the work that her and her team does is is very important. Prior to this role, Tammy has been responsible for many commercial successes of the company, as well as taking on operational efficiency projects to help transform the industries she's worked with at GE from plastics to anesthesia devices. But she's also very involved in the development of people and her community. She's involved with the Milwaukee Hub as co-leader of the Women's Network, focused on developing over 2,400 women in the greater Milwaukee area. So it's a pleasure to have this outstanding leader on the podcast. Tammy, welcome. Thank you very much, Sal. So Tammy, did I leave anything out in the intro that you want to share with the listeners? I think you summarized it quite well. Thank you very much. Great. So what is it that got you into the medical sector?
0: That's a very good question. As I reflect on that, many things have happened in my lifetime that really was a calling for me to make a difference in healthcare. It started when I was four years old uh, when my father passed away with a surprise heart attack. And to go through my life growing up without a father every day, I thought about how can that be? How can we not know that something? so disastrous is going to happen. When I turned age 13, my mother had breast cancer. It turned out she had breast cancer. And another moment in my life, how can we not know that these diseases exist? How come we can't do certain things to improve the outcomes? And she was at a very young age of 43. And 25 years later, uh, she got cancer again and unfortunately didn't survive the second time. Hmm. As I reflect on the time, at least growing up, age four, age thirteen, you know, knowing that, you know, I wanted to work in a business, I wanted to work something related to healthcare so that I could make a difference and that we could improve the outcomes and improve the lives of individuals like my father, my mother, and all the people that are surrounded around them.
1: Well, appreciate you sharing that that story, Tammy. Very, very personal story. And uh, definitely, I, I understand the, the the fire behind your, your passion for, for what you guys do at the, uh, at the division you're part of now, the, the maternal and infant care, starting from the beginning is really kind of a, a powerful way to approach these things that, that uh, happen in your life. And, and frankly, that happened in the lives of, of many of us. And so what would you say is a hot topic that needs to be on every... Healthcare leaders' agenda listening today, and how is your organization approaching it?
0: I think a hot topic that is on everybody's mind, especially in health com- healthcare, is how can we continue to improve outcomes. Um, you shared some of the numbers at the beginning of the call in regards to the number of babies that are born premature, the number of babies that survive, the number of babies that unfortunately don't survive. We have amazing equipment, we have amazing doctors, and we have a lot of data. Unfortunately, the data that we collect from these devices, from these doctors and their rounds of reviewing patients isn't necessarily collected in a nice, neat, packaged way that we can use that data to give us insights, use that data to give us decision support, and when you look across healthcare and beyond healthcare, one of the major things people are thinking about is big data, um, how to use that data to make those decisions, to give us insights, artificial intelligence. You know, How can we get smarter about what we are doing every day with these tiny babies, in my case, and make sure that the outcomes that they have are more positive? So as an example, wouldn't it be nice If we could track multiple parameters associated with the premature baby and be able to correlate the parameters, all the data, to be able to make a decision and to be able to give the clinician, in this case, an insight to make a more informed decision. Today, these doctors and nurses are left to decide and collect that data all on their own. So I think a hot topic that all of us need to be thinking about in any industry and especially healthcare is how can we use data more effectively to make decisions and to provide insights so that we can improve outcomes.
1: It's a great topic and and definitely something that I think our listeners care about. So with the exploding number of of articles and and talks at conferences about this, this topic of you know, using data. Uh, we'd love to hear, Tammy what, uh, what the, you and your team are doing. Maybe an example of, of how you've done this uh, to create results by doing things differently.
0: Yeah, doing things differently in regards to data, I would say that we, are, we have done a few things in the past. So as an example, every baby is different. And the most important thing for a baby in my business and a premature baby is to maintain that baby's thermal regulation. So what does that mean exactly? That means the temperature of the baby is one of the most critical things that we need to maintain. And for every one degree, one degree Celsius that you are off in the temperature of that tiny baby, you increase the chance of death by 11%. And you increase the chance of disability um, through infection by even more. So, I think the thing that we have done in our machines is we've developed an algorithm that you take the baby's age, you take the baby's weight, and it helps you determine exactly what temperature that baby needs to be set at um, and the temperature that their body needs to be maintaining because every baby is different. And so that's one thing that I would tell you that we use data, we use lots of data to determine what is that optimal temperature based on the weight and based, based on the age of the baby.
1: That's fascinating. And I, that's just the amazing. One degree could mean 11% difference. And what a great tool to have, to have all these data points be summarized in a clinical decision support uh, solution I, I definitely think this is this is wonderful and so can you share any any stories of how this has has helped a, a clinician or a family?
0: Yeah, what I would say is that if you look at the history of premature babies and the viability of the babies that we've been able to to save by understanding you know the thermal regulation and the temperature that these babies need, you know, we are able to help with the outcomes that I explained with reducing the infection, reducing the deaths. So in addition to things we've been able to do with, you know, leveraging big data to make decisions like I shared with you on getting the appropriate temperature for these tiny babies, we have done some other things here at GE Healthcare with our equipment. In 2000, we launched the very first hybrid incubator and warmer together, a product we call Giraffe Omnibed. For those of you not familiar with healthcare, not familiar specifically with this space, you may think about your cars and the hybrid that your car that we've been able to create with cars. Very similar with the Giraffe Omnibed in this case, an incubator and a warmer together. So what does that mean exactly? Most people, when their baby is born, they immediately go into a warmer. Now, if that baby is a premature baby, and as I shared with you, the temperature of that baby is so important, they will be moved from a warmer to an incubator. An incubator is a closed environment where you can maintain the temperature even more precisely. So what we've done in 2000 is we combine the warmer and incubator together. So immediately when that baby is born, the baby can go into the giraffe omnibed and get the right temperature at the very start and it's very important to make sure that you know we don't have to move that fragile baby from bed to bed we furthered that innovation in 2015 uh, where we launched a more modernized enhanced environment for the newborn called the Draft omnibed care station and one of the things that we were able to add with this innovation is a hands-free alarm It may be simple, but there's lots of alarms that go off in the NICU, in the ICU, any part of the hospital. There's lots of alarms that are going off at all times. And typically what the clinician has to do is they have to push the buttons on the display to be able to turn the alarm off. They have to look at the data and make a decision and turn the alarm off. And that happens with all sorts of devices. In this case, if you're actually, if your hands are in a sterile environment and you're working on the baby and the alarm goes off, you can continue to be sterile by doing a hands-free alarm. And in this case, it prevents infections as well as it continues that care for the baby. Those are a couple things, Sal, that I would share with you that we have done to improve the outcomes that we're delivering to these tiny babies.
1: Wow, that's brilliant. And Tammy, it's it's uh it's great that you guys just keep coming up with new things to, to just continue improving the care of of these babies, and also considering care caregivers, uh, the the nurses, the physicians, neonatologists faced with alarm fatigue. I know it's a it's a big problem. I have a friend that uh, was a nurse uh, ICU nurse for many years and. And she lost her hearing because of all the alarms. She has to wear some, some uh, uh, hearing aids because of that. So definitely important to address both of these, these uh, people. Uh, and so I think it's great that you guys are doing that. Can you, can you share with us one of your most proud uh, leadership experiences?
0: Yes. What I will share with you is uh, several years ago, I think it was 2012, we launched our first value anesthesia machine in Africa. Cool. And what was important about uh, this launch was the fact that if in some countries, um, in some continents like Africa, the basic functions of anesthesiology and uh, being able to eliminate the pain doesn't exist. In all countries around the world. And in fact, you know, an anesthesiologist, the actual doctor, those roles don't exist. I always like to use, you know, I'm from the state of Wisconsin. There's 6 million people that live in the state of Wisconsin, um, and there's 600 anesthesiologists. So it's one anesthesiologist per 10,000 people. And if I take the country of Uganda, which was one of our targeted countries, 42 million people. 13, one three anesthesiologists, one Good anesthesiologist difference. per 3 million people. Exactly. So if you think about that problem statement, you know, not only do you have a uh, lack of devices and equipment, you also have lack of experienced clinicians to actually perform the clinical procedure that you need, um, which is a really interesting challenge. You know, how can we make that care practice better uh, for these patients that are going undergoing surgery? How can we make the practice better for a general doctor that's going to be performing the anesthesia, anesthesia procedure? It was a really big challenge for us, and it really took a lot of leadership and a lot of dedication to really understand the needs of this market and to develop a device uh, that would solve the problems that uh, a country like Uganda faces. So in 2012, we launched our first value anesthesia machine. Um, It was in Kenya, and it was meant to be for these low resource settings uh, where there isn't equipment today, there isn't clinicians, trained in a specific area, and very proud moment to launch that product. And since then, thousands of units have been sold uh, throughout the continent and throughout the world, and we're able to provide the basic levels of anesthesia where it didn't exist before.
1: That's brilliant. And, and it's, it's so interesting to think about how different the uh, challenges are abroad versus the challenges we have here did did any of your uh, experience abroad and, and just kind of getting out of the U.S. healthcare box uh, help you with the things that you're you're doing in the U.S.?
0: Yes, absolutely. I think the lucky thing for us is that we have engineering teams throughout the world, and we have product managers that exist throughout the world. So we have people that are understanding different markets every day. But we do have a large population of those resources in the U.S. And if you're living in the U.S. and you only understand the U.S. marketplace and the U.S. needs, you'll never design an appropriate product for Africa. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, multiple members of our team, myself, multiple visits, really understanding the customer challenges, doing observational research and observing what's happening, asking questions, understanding different workflows to be able to develop a product like we did for value anesthesia.
1: Super, super interesting, and uh, what a great value add. You know, I was um, I was at Ted, the TED Med conference a couple of weeks ago and had the, the opportunity to sit down with uh, Dikembe Mutombo. He, has, he built a hospital uh, over in uh, Congo. And just hearing what he's done over there and just the difficulties in translating the technologies, paring it down to serve the needs over there is, is, is just super interesting. This is such a great uh, example, Tammy, of, of how U.S. companies and, and leaders like yourself can make an impact over there. Can you tell us about an exciting project or focus you're working on today?
0: Yes. Yeah, so let's come back to babies in maternal infant care. What my business is all about. Um, you might remember from when you had your baby two two years ago. You know the technology that is being used almost everywhere around the world is the ability to get the mom's heart rate and the baby's heart rate and the contractions uh, mm-hmm. from wired transducers so what does that mean these are transducers that goes on mom that are belts that go around her uh, pregnant stomach and uh, gather the information that we're looking for the heart rate uh, of both mom and babies as well as the contractions and the mom is typically strapped to the bed it's a very uncomfortable experience but it's necessary to make sure that we can get those vital signs to ensure the health of mom and baby. And that technology hasn't changed for decades, decades and decades. Mm -hmm. But two years ago, we acquired a company called Monica Healthcare and a technology that they have developed and we have since incorporated, uh, which is called Novi, which is a wireless fetal monitor that measures and displays the fetal heart rate, the maternal heart rate, and the uterine activity, the contractions, via a simple peel and stick patch. So essentially a sticker in many ways that goes on moms. So in this case, moms can have the freedom to get up, walk around, take a shower, while also giving the clinicians and the caregivers the data that they need to be Mm. able to see the heart rate, to be able to see the contractions. There's no belts, no cables around mom. And mom is able to follow if she's got a specific birth plan of her own where she wants to be um, walking around, that she wants to be bathing. You know, those are things that we can now accommodate with this peel and stick patch. So it's very exciting to be able to say that we've developed a technology that will completely change the labor and delivery experience for moms around the world.
1: That's awesome. You know, and, and I do remember. My wife had the belt, and we were just continuously readjusting it and trying to get the readings. And it's fantastic that you guys have developed a, a technology to to help with the flexibility and, and sort of uh, uh, just the birth plan of every mom. H- have you guys uh, had any uh, stories about how it's helped uh, uh, moms?
0: Definitely, it's been all over the news, which is very exciting. Lots of hospitals, lots of moms, lots of nurses are very happy uh, with the product and the change um, in labor and delivery. It frees up nurses' time. If you think about it, a lot of the nurses spend their time readjusting the belts, chasing the heartbeat is what we say because they're constantly moving the transducers, where in this case, the peel and stick patch is placed once you put it on and it stays on and it gives you the reading that you're looking for. So we've gotten a lot of good feedback and we're continuing to sell and grow and grow this business every day.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, such a, such a great value add. And it's the things that you don't think about that often escape us, uh, these innovations uh, that Tammy's team is thinking about to make the labor and delivery process that much more comfortable. Uh, and also improving the workflow for for nursing is is huge. Thanks so much for sharing that, Tammy. Thank you. So let's pretend we're getting close to the end here, Tammy. It's uh, time's flying by. Uh, let's pretend we're building a, a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in healthcare, the ABCs of Tammy Knoll. I've got five questions for you. These are going to be lightning round questions, and then we'll follow that with a book you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yes. Okay. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes?
0: Definitely, you have to understand the patient experience, the clinician experience, and really understand the challenges that are being faced. It could be via observational research. It can be asking questions. But that's the first thing that I would say to improve healthcare outcomes. You really need to understand the problem to begin with.
1: What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid?
0: Well, quite the opposite of what I just said, developing products without understanding the problem. Mm-hmm. And that happens, you know, because we have a lot of smart engineers at GE as well as throughout the world. And a lot of engineers have great ideas, and uh, we develop these ideas without really understanding will it solve a clinical problem or a problem that we're looking for. So don't forget to go talk to a customer, listen to a customer, observe a customer. And in this case, for us, it would be going to the NICU, going to labor and delivery.
1: Wise words. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change?
0: Constantly visiting customers, coming back to the first two questions is what keeps us relevant. You know, we need to get out, see these customers, see the changes, see the trends that are happening. You know, just two weeks ago, I spent time in Nigeria, in Ghana, and Dubai, and a month before that, I was in Indonesia. And we have to get out. We have to see what's changing in the practices at these NICUs, in these labor and deliveries and i would also say to stay relevant we have to be on top of big data as i mentioned at the beginning you know there's a lot of changes in regards to going digital having big data and we need to continue to figure out as a business how we can leverage that and all the new tools that are becoming available
1: what's one area of focus that drives everything in your business
0: our mission which is to send moms and babies home healthy I'm, If you ever come to our office, Saul, and all you listeners out there, there's babies and moms everywhere on all of our walls. Everybody understands the mission, everybody understands the problem that we're solving. And that keeps us focused Hmm. every single day. And it includes our own stories. You know, I'm a mom, you're a dad, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, we have people on our team that specifically come work. In the maternal infant care business, because they had a premature baby, because they lost a baby, because they have a child that is disabled as a result of prematurity. The mission is so important to us, and that's what keeps us focused.
1: That's wonderful. What would you say your number one success habit is, Tammy?
0: Starting with the customer and making sure that everybody starts with the customer. It includes engineers, quality people, regulatory. It's important. For us to be successful, we need to understand the customer. We often bring in pregnant moms, uh, moms that just had children, nurses, doctors to our office to make sure that they understand the impact that they're making and the problems that we still have.
1: That's wonderful. And it sounds like you're definitely driving a, a, a strong vision and mission-based culture there. So big kudos to you, Tammy, and for your leadership. Uh, what book would you recommend to the listeners?
0: I would recommend in the book, uh, Blind Spots, Uh, Blind Spots. What are your blind spots? You know, as an organization and as a leader, as a parent, we all have blind spots. And sometimes, um, you know, we people point them out to us and we don't believe that they exist. So, you know, as an example, one one blind spot could be that they talk about in the book is that what matters the most is, is profit. And yes, every day I wake up thinking about how much more money we can make. And I think every every person in their job, every doctor, every nurse, but at the end of the day, what's most important is the purpose and why we are doing what we're doing for all those babies that are born premature every day, for those babies that unfortunately don't survive. That is our number one priority. And how can we ensure that we always keep that front and center? So I think it's important that, We understand as leaders, you know, what our blind spots are, how to be aware of them and how to make sure that we continue to have focus.
1: Love that recommendation, Tammy. And folks, uh, for, for a full transcript of our interview and links to Tammy's work the division that she leads and also the book she recommended, uh, just go to outcomesrocket.health and in the search bar, just type in Tammy Noll. that's N-O-L-L. You'll see that episode pop up. You'll be able to access all that there. Uh, Tammy, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could follow your work or get in touch.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Sal. It's been a good conversation. Closing comments is, you know, healthcare is a very fascinating industry. We have a huge opportunity to impact the lives of people in our community, our loved ones, and I encourage everybody to find something that they're passionate about. Healthcare for me is something I'm very passionate about. As I shared with you the story of my father, my mother, as a mom, you know, we can truly make a difference um, and in our business make a difference for these, uh, these little ones. So I encourage you to Continue to find something you're passionate about. For more information on GE Healthcare and the McBusiness, business, uh, please visit our website. And for more information on me, please follow me on LinkedIn and and Twitter.
1: Thank you. Outstanding, Tammy. Thanks again for spending time with us. We uh, we really learned a lot and appreciate that uh, you made time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast.